welcome, series two. Flix Radio's back. With me I've got Carlos and Joe. How are we doing boys? Better than ever. Good, that's good. Fantastic Joe. to be back. Yep, it's very good to be back. You would have heard our taster. I'm sure it's wet the appetite. You're looking forward to the series to come. Uh, as we said in that first series, we covered uh, sport footballing, footballing films and cult films. And this, one, this time around... What a great doing... idea that was, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't run out of ideas, that's all. Uh, and this time around we're doing um, kind of London, London entertainment scene and many other things basically about London. And Is much that... more. And much, much more. Uh, yeah. Life in London. Yeah. Uh, all right, so last time around we covered a different theme each week. Um, and this week, uh, to introduce you to the new series... We're basically going to be talking about our love for London, and the first time around, London is as is spectacular, is incredible, and how else to do that but with a sci-fi film based in London? Carlos, what's the film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd pick a film which is unmistakably London, but with a bit of a twist. It's called Attack the Block. It was produced in two thousand eleven. It's about the occupants of a. Um, a block of flats based somewhere in South East London. I think it's Brixton. Yeah, it's Brixton, come out yeah. of Oval's tube station. Yeah, it's near Brixton. Well, that's Kennington then. And um, they have to contend with an alien invasion. Um, and it's about how yeah, the people who live in this block of flats um, go about that. Yeah. And it's heartwarming. Yeah. And a it heartwarming gave, story. It gave way to John Boyega, who's now doing up Star Wars. Doing up Star Wars. And do you know he's the... You don't really know about Spike Nation, do you? No. Nah. Joe, do you know about Spike Nation? I don't know about Spike Nation. All right, well, the punters at home will know about Spike Nation and John Boyega is related to the person that runs it. So you can go away and do a bit of homework next time around we can talk about Spike. And Spike Nation, that's a free plug right there, so... Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting cl- the same back from you. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you are. Got a bit of money to deal with, so they're going to chuck us a bit of bonus for that. Yeah. But you know what? Let's just, uh, let's just go straight into reviews. All right, then. I want to hear what everyone thought. All right, Joe, what did you think about Attack the Block? So I thought Attack the Block was an exhilarating, entertaining, and um, yeah, an overall a good watch. Uh, nothing more. Mm. I would nothing prob- less. But nothing, nothing less, nothing yeah. less. It, ke- I, I was, I was gripped by it. I kept, I, I wanted to watch. I wanted to carry on watching. Um, it was packed with drama. Kind of touched on a few of a deeper themes, but. Like only really t- only to kind of touched on them. I w- I would recommend watching that for sure. Yeah. What about well, you? Yeah, I, well, I think I'd agree. It's quite nice, light-hearted. But I, one thing that I really liked about it is it was only an hour and a half long. Excellent. Yeah. I was really pleased about that. Um, and I think it made sense. Short little film, entertaining. Obviously, added benefit that it's kind of based in London, based in South London. You can kind of kind of quite sweet to have a film that's based around the corner. Um, the idea was fairly good, not exactly rocket science, but kind of made sense. <laughs> it was alright, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, it was alright. Carlos, can I talk for a bit of a long time on this one? Go, go ahead. But basically, yeah, yeah make it interesting. have you heard my about my famous feud with Freeman, shout out Freeman? No, go on. About when, uh, have you ever, any of you seen the film Ex Machina? Or Ex yeah, Machina? I have seen it, I have seen it. So basically, right, in second year, me and my good friend Freeman, who went to university with, lived in different houses. Um, my house had sat down and watched Ex Machina and we loved it, thought it was such a sick film. 
Freeman came back and was like, yeah, mate, watch Sets Machina. Rubbish, seen it all before. Rubbish film. And then I, I probed him about it, like, yeah, where did you watch it then to make it think it was so bad? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, like, well, I started it on my phone in my room when I was hanging. <laughs> and then halfway through, I put my phone down, went downstairs, made a fry up, and then finished it off on my phone and on the sofa. And I don't think I've ever been any more angry at one of my friends for dropping his opinion on such a good film after watching it in the complete opposite way that the director wanted it to be watched. Mm. Like, hanging on your iPhone 5 in bed. Uh, <laughs> it's just an insult. But, sorry to the producer that attacked the block, I downloaded this film on Netflix onto my phone while standing on Allgate East tube station and watched it on my journey home. So, sorry Freeman and sorry attack the block. So, do you think that detracted from the experience? Or do you think there was, because it was, let's be honest, a ba- pretty basic film there wasn't that much more you could go out of it yeah that's the thing so whenever I see people commuting watching stuff I think how do they do it talking of that on the on the way here today I was sat down on the train sat next to someone that in one hand was playing Candy Crush and on the other was watching uh, the um, what's the film that we reviewed in season one the first film that we reviewed that Green, was Street. Green Street the other one Me Machine Me Machine that's the one no Football Factory Football Factory yeah I was going to say Me Machine he was sat there watching uh, Football Factory really? one here in that one here playing Candy Crush well, yeah, it's, I thought it's, I should tell him if you're into you, Football Factories boy will you like a podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should bring that up actually because I I find that I absolutely I absolutely could not watch something when commuting yeah. obviously you kind of did, there are probably a few things that I could watch, things that you don't need to pay, you don't need to concentrate a lot for. But even when I'm sat on my own, fo- just focusing on a mm. series, I, I frequently find myself having to just rewind through, but just because my mind's drifted and I've missed something, um, or yeah, for whatever reason. But like, I, I absolutely can't do that. I can't, can't. I haven't got that, um, got it in me to like focus on that one thing especially mm. when there's so many things going on around you yeah. like there are when you're commuting yeah I don't get I've never been one to get it like, I've always been critical of those people because at the end of the day you're meant to be focusing on so many other things like where you're getting off who's like if you've got to stand up for a pregnant woman all these types of things <laughs> <laughs> and like that's a bit of a weird one <laughs> <laughs> you mind what it's going to do it's like it's- but you know what I mean? There's a lot of different things going on on the tube. It's a big old sensory experience. Yeah, and you're meant to be like relaxing watching this thing. And so I've never liked it. But yeah, like you said, Lewis, you put you on onto it there that this type of film is doesn't need your full concentration. Mm. But anyway, I know I've rambled a lot about that. That's um, but yeah, my, my review of the film was, is that yeah, for one, I started watching it in completely the wrong way because I wasn't concentrating or anything. And two, I was leaving work, so I was in a bit of a bad mood anyway but I started watching it with like a social justice warrior type head on trying to analyze it for something deeper than it is mm. so because it's already I had my I was triggered because it was talking about like black like the block black kids mm. London kids all this stuff and the first scenes just pissed me off so much because it's this like white woman from out of London who's come down and then she gets robbed by these black boys like black and white boys to be fair but like local London estate kids mm. And then she goes off all upset. Obviously, fair enough. But then she's like, no one's helping her out. They're all gassed about it. And then she goes back, and it's the only person who helps her out is this older white woman, who's like the like the grandma. Mm. She goes and helps her out, and then everything's feeling better and all that. 
Yeah, I just thought it was just quite like going to be a typical film of like, look how bad these road kids are and like yeah. this white woman, blah blah blah. But then I've just got I got a little bit through and I was like, why am I analysing this film like it's meant to be anything deeper than mm. just a bit of fun for some teenagers to watch it like a sleepover or something? You mm. know what I mean? And I actually thought that in the end, I couldn't help have reading a little bit more into the lines, and I actually thought that it came up with like really positive messaging. Yeah. in the end of it as well without having to do too much like a sociological analysis because it's not that deep but in general the tone of like you are kind of you are where you're from and you will protect what it is no matter how like the rest of the world is going to judge it that's still your home and that's still where you love and look at the tight bonds and the way that you feel about it but yeah in the end it had some quite nice messaging yeah that's what I was going to say it completely flipped by the end because I thought again it's not a deep film it's not meant to be a deep mm. film but they tied up all of the things they set up so they set it up that they were like these little bad kids and all this stuff um, and and that she's this like white woman that from out of London they just robbed her but then it kind of resolves it all by saying that she when they work out like you're saying where you're from is your community when they were like you're our neighbour and she then that's when because she was entering the community in like a equal level they were like no we accept you and then also when it showed that he lives with his uncle and he's just a little kid who's going through some hard times yeah I thought, and the way it flipped at the end, I thought it was good. Yeah, for sure. Because even uh, throughout the duration of the film, despite the fact that the the boys from the estate kind of um, they they accept or at least they allow her to tag tag along, there is still a lot of tension between them. Mm. Despite that, and um, at the end, um, the woman I can't remember Sam, she changes her she changes her perception of them, mm. and she. And she fancies the hell out of John Boyega. Yeah, really. <laughs> wow. Big fifteen-year-old John Boyega. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she she confesses or she tells to that she tells the police that they are they aren't they're not to blame. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, that line of now nah, they're my neighbours. They looked after me. Yeah. yeah, that's really sweet. All right, so that's kind of the what we liked about it. Were there any things that stood out as being kind of jarred with you, Joe? Can I talk about someone else that I liked? Yeah, you can do that. I liked. I thought it was good in terms of its minor characters. Yeah, it had good minor characters yeah. like the Nick Frost. Nick Frost character, the um, his like little mate, the the middle class, like pretentious middle class. Yeah. stoner who actually saves the day with his like with his degree analysis. knowledge or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and those two little, the two little. Yeah, the little kids. the youngers. Yeah, they the little kids brilliant. who the up and the up and coming. What they called again, like Mayhem and... Oh, I can't remember, I can't remember. Uh, Mayhem and... Um, what's it like? The other one was something like weird. Rob's like. or like, nah. The other one was something weird. Probs. Probs and Mayhem. <laughs> Probs and Mayhem. Yeah, they were brilliant. Yeah, but they... For, for the majority of the film, they're seen as a little bit of a joke because they're considerably younger mm. and they like the idea of fighting these aliens and they've got these little water pistols which they take the piss out of initially mm. and then... Um, there's a scene at, towards the end where they work out that firing this was it oh, what was in the oh, garden yeah, so they fire petrol at the at one of these aliens and then set it alight yeah which is which is nice to see yeah it's nice, nice to, see. to see actually <laughs> I got nice I had to some boys <laughs> I had that same thing in my notes that like actually the group of 14 15 year olds they were a bit annoying I don't think the actors were very good I either. don't think no. those actors were pretty terrible and it was a mm. bit overdone but then all of the minor characters were just com- were hilarious. Like, yeah, they were. The two little kids killed me. 
Yeah. Um, I really like the scene with the girls when they start talking some sense into Yeah, them. they're good they were, That was a brilliant little addition. And when there's the line that's like, uh, why, we go, why are we going there? And then the person's like, oh, because they've got like a gate in front of the door. And then the other one says, trust me, if you saw them girls fight, you wouldn't be asking why we were going there. Yeah. And the, the uh, on the posh kid, he was hilarious. Like he, um, so, some of he, the quotes he said were some of the lines I wrote down. But he was like, um, jokes, man, jokes. Actually, I did a zoology module at uni. <laughs> <laughs> that would kill me. And then the only the other one from him that killed me was like, um, um, said something about my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good. And he's another one that was like such a relatable character. Yeah. Like the kind of middle-class boy now stoner lives in south london and thinks he's like tries to be down with the kids yeah he's brilliant yeah one i'm gonna say then seeing as there's clearly no like nothing clearly bad about it the one thing that annoys me and this is a problem not just with this film but with so many films that try and do like not like road but like no i know what you mean like that is whenever this isn't like a deep like sociology thing this is just like whenever there's actors that clearly are putting on a really overdone accent Mm. Something about it really grates with me, and it comes through in certain lines. Oh, it comes through. It so comes much. through when. when Which character are you talking about? Just like, like the little gang. Obviously, like I've got to be honest, specifically the white kid. Yeah. Some of the lines that he says, oh, God, yeah. really great. They did really great. They did quite overdo it with the slang. Yeah. But I think. But it is a comedy. It is a comedy, and I, it's definitely aimed not aimed at our age group. It's aimed yeah. at an age group lower. And I can imagine when this when this film was fresh off the press, it would have been a really entertaining watch, as you said, at a sleepover. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I think yeah. that it would have been a good, a yeah, good a watch. Good, like fourteen year old. Yeah. The like, funny thing is, I remember uh, Jonah. Shout out Jonah. That yeah, when we were you, Jonah. when we were at school, he used to always sing that song about uh, get that snitch, get the <laughs> And I, I didn't know where it was from in school, but I used to always crease it, and then. Yeah, remembering that. that How old was he like, then when he was doing that? That was like year nine, ten. Yeah, classic. So if we'd have, if I'd have watched, if we'd have had a sleepover then, Jonah then, boy, that's it. We'd have mm. loved it. Mm. We'd have done. Uh, have you guys got any quotes? I actually didn't write any quotes, quotes down. Um, I think the little kids were probably the most quotable though. Yeah. The two little kids. I I wrote that one from them. They they made me laugh. They were like. Um, Donuts, man. Oh, it's not even that good. No, don't worry about that. No, give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. Donuts, man. They think we're scaredy cats. <laughs> oh, no, my, my favourite quotes are right at the start when they're describing the aliens. Yeah. And he goes, it's just when people describe something as a type thing, it yeah. just kills me every time. Uh, he goes, is that not? It was some orangutan type thing. And then he goes, no. It's some exotic creature like a monkey type thing. <laughs> that was a good impression of the white one. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take that. <laughs> oh dear. So, um, anyone got any other remarks or are we going to start giving it our scores out of 10? Which I know that the the punters, <laughs> that, was a, that was a real strong feature from last series. <laughs> Intentions, Ooh. people were tweeting in, people emailing, people were leaving so many comments. Yeah, that was mad. When you gave Shaolin Soccer the nine point five out of ten, oh shit, that was a groundbreaking moment. <laughs> if I, if I, oh, <laughs> Shaolin Soccer, that's a <laughs> um, so oh. on the Shaolin Soccer scale or something that was two, I gave it two point five. 
like one more observation, which is a shout out to season one as well. Do you lot of shouts? Yeah, shall I stop <laughs> shouting? No, you're a bit of a disc jockey this week. I yeah, like it. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the film started, yeah, and this was when I was looking at it in my negative frame of mind. Started it out at Oval um, Tube Station and it just was threw me back to Green Street. Was it Green Street or Football Factory? Which Green one? Street. Green Street, that. when it starts at um, Bank. Which um, isn't Bank. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, why does every film that's trying to capture London that's qu- quite bad start off in a tube station? That's the thing, quintessential London. Yeah, it is the most. Yeah. So maybe we should do our next podcast in the tube station. Oh, that's a good idea. Interview some people, wouldn't we? If someone's oyster gets very rejected. fertile ground for a podcast, actually. Yeah, yeah. And here, always cars close to get. <laughs> so, what are you giving it out of ten, Joe? I'm looking at you, mate. I'll give it a six. Mm. I'll give it a six. I was gonna say I was tempted to say five point five, but I think we've got to consi- like think about the fact that it's probably not aimed at us. Yeah. And I think it did come out in 2011 as well. I mean, a lot of the films that we watched before in the in the previous series did come out like pre that, considerably pre that. But yeah, I do you know what? Five point five six. I'll give it a six. Benefit of the doubt. Oh, nice one. Hello, Carlos. Uh, if I was fourteen, I'd probably give it a seven. Yeah. Because I'm twenty three, and I've got a job, and I pay tax. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably give it a six, five. Five. 5.5 then, let's go. Um, yeah, I'll give it a six. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else you really say about it. It's all right. I don't feel as strongly as I did about a Shaolin soccer one way, or I don't feel as strongly as I did about a like back in the other way. Yeah. Is this all right? It's just a pretty average film, isn't it? It's an average film. It's an hour and a half. It was a film for production. I quite like that. That's usually a few yeah. like, bonus points for me. So, we've got that little bit done. <laughs> you can say out the way, won't you? Got a little bit out of the way. <laughs> no, we can basically returning back to the theme of spectacular London or extraordinary London. Uh, and I thought it would be nice for us to introduce the series, talking about some of our favourite little. I want to go favourite little places or favourite little like things or little niche topics that you think might be a little bit kind of like not. I don't know. Like Big Ben, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more particular. A Londoner's view of London. Mm. Yeah. So something that springs to mind immediately for me is the the off license. Mm. I think there's is such an ingrained part of my life in London, and something that I really notice isn't there when I'm not yeah. in London. Do you know what I mean? Because I went to I went to university in Bristol, and yeah. in Bristol, they it's there's just no or nowhere near um the same amount of of off, of off licenses and you know you can you can just get you can get absolutely anything yeah. there absolutely anything from your veg samosa to your samosas to a little snack some crisps sweets milk, milk booze do you know yeah. yeah um yeah so that's what immediately springs to mind i think yeah it's got a good one it's quite nice that was quite pleasant Carlos anything come to mind for you? Uh, I was going to say a place yeah I was going to um, do that as well that's alright I'd say like Highbury Fields type area because 
I think that's a growing up thing because I used to go there once in a while, like near the Arsenal Stadium, mm. and just always in the summer, it's just like Highbury Fields is just a nice Highbury place to be. Literally as good as it gets. It's just a nice place to be, mm. and the houses around there and next level. Mm. It's not. My boss lives in the house, but I'm over the, overlooking that. Damn. Yeah. You won't be listening to this. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know that you do? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you need to start getting in his good books. <laughs> um, but yeah, Highbury, but then... What's somewhere quite niche that you'd suggest someone go? You know what, it's not... Got, really... I know, looking at if last series only to go with them, we've got a hell of a lot of listeners in London, so they might be thinking of a of skill days up. Yeah, because we were talking to Time Out about we were going to do their feature for where to go. Yeah, exactly. Obscure days out in Yeah, London. obscure days out with the Flix boys. Yeah, and yeah, but obviously we won't be tour guiding because we can't really be... Uh, Losing face like that, but you, you know, exactly. I mean, getting seen with punters. Yeah, well, like they listen, of, but we we don't see them. You let's know, not, I mean? let's not slag off the punters. <laughs> You've had some very very complimentary reviews on iTunes. Should we get to those in a bit? Yeah, I'll read. We'll read them out in a bit. Just you, as a little, use the computer to look them up and just, then we'll... <laughs> just a little as a little prompt. Um, somewhere I'd say the whole area of not just because I'm an Arsenal fan, but walking back. Being from South London, which is a little bit suburban sometimes, walking back from the Emirates down towards Highbury Islington Station on like a Thursday night, soon to be a Wednesday night when we're back in Champions League. <laughs> yes. But on a Thursday night at like 10.30 and going past so many bars, pubs, restaurants that all look nice that you'd want to spend time in each and one of them. all from different parts of the world. Yeah, so much diversity. And you've got people out from all walks of life just having a nice little drink at 10 o'clock. Like, mm. doesn't really happen all, all over the place in England where it's just like a casual, nice place to be after work midweek. I think that, like Holloway Road stretch and then Stroudgreen Road. Street. Yeah, Upper Street for going down that way. And like Stroudgreen Road, all of those places just, they've just got a nice little buzz about them in the evenings mm. and so much diversity. And if you lot at home want a quick tip, go to Jai Krishna's on Stroudgreen Road. They've got a bit of it. It's not paid promotion, but they did ask us so we could give them the shout out on the show this week uh, when we were in there with the Time Out Boys. Yeah. Brilliant little uh, vegetarian Indian joint. Mm, well, talking of Buzz, um, taking it back south of the south of the river. Yeah. But I know it's 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 pretty well established and well known, but there are a couple of high streets in southeast London which really do have a buzz, which is just completely unbeaten anywhere else. Mm. I'm talking Deptford. talking Deptford High Street. Oh. I'm talking Rye Lane and those places. Yeah. Um, Last of a dying breed. Really, like, quite special. Like, you walk probably any day of the week, but we went down there on a Saturday, mm. Saturday afternoon, a couple of weekends ago. And if you just walk down there, looking in any of the shops, like um, the greengrocers or the fishmongers, and they're just absolutely heaving, mm. like, heaving with people who are, like, it's just, I mean, it's just, like, a real special a special thing to see and not something like really not something you see all the time anymore anyway yeah it's good um, my little tip and I've been getting a bit of slack recently because there's not many people that I've come across that I haven't spoken to them about but I've become I've become really obsessed with the waterways of London and by that I do mean the canals and by that I do mean Regent's Canal I do mean Regent's Canal starting in Limehouse Basin <laughs> <laughs> can, the, wait, can I do a memo to the punters yeah. he's not spoken to anyone in London about the waterways this is the first time anyone's hearing about the waterways he can't even swim <laughs> not sure. I was talking to Barbara about it actually we'll get on to Barbara's in a minute that's a good little side thing uh, 
but no, I think there's there's bits of London that you could be dropped there and have no idea you're in London and you're in like King's Cross. Like you could be more central. So a quick tip from a uh, quick tip from me is go to the Limehouse Basin, work your way down Regent's Canal until you get to I don't know Camden Lock, and if that bores you, then you can go to Little Venice and work around the Grand Union Canal. You know what? Yep. I'm gonna backtrack there and say apologies to Freeman, apologies to Lewis. Yeah. Because we've actually all been to Regent's Canal with each other recently, haven't we? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I've passed Regent's Canal quite a lot. There's a couple of places, or a couple of places I've been recently along the Regent's Canal. One of them is Giant Steps. Mm. It's the on. Um, it's right by the Olympic Stadium, and it's this mad like event space, and the. Um, they get DJs and whoever into play music. Is it and like it's a, been really is it nice. It's like a big circle. Um, no, so when you part, when you go past it on the Regent's Canal, it's it's quite a bit above, um, about above can- canal level. Yeah. And there's like a raised bit with seats. Yeah. And then there's a bit of a courtyard. Yeah. And then um, yeah, that's that's what you see from the canal. But it's right. it's, it's a really it's a somewhere definitely worth visiting. Um, on a little side note, it's still talking about Regent's Canal, but. Do you remember when we went on our little cycling expedition up there a few months ago? Yes, I do. What what could you possibly be getting at, Joseph? (laughs) Well, on the way back, listener, (laughs) on the way back, listener, we were razzing razzing, um, down the canal back towards the the Limehouse (laughs) Basin and I'm in front and I just hear this massive clatter behind me and Lewis, who has just taken his top off by the way <laughs> it, was, it was really hot I so haven't even heard nothing this. against him yeah it was roasted um, <laughs> Lewis is Lewis has not only fallen off his bike <laughs> and got these massive like colossal graves, grazes up, up his back and his arm but his bike is in the canal <laughs> upside down upside down and all you can, if you, you can imagine this listener um, it's it's completely upside down, and all you can see is literally the two wheels, and they're going down like the Titanic, <laughs> literally. And Lewis has to scramble up, <laughs> grab the wheel, and literally just the wheel is poking out at this point, and he like just manages to haul it out. <laughs> and it's got all this loads it's of got green algae, algae on it. <laughs> and this was about this must have been over six months ago. Yeah. And there's still some of that algae left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and my, my wrist has never been fixed. You know? Really? <laughs> I, I can wake up every morning and like twist. I get my hand like like I put my watch on and twist it, and the whole thing clicks. Oh man! Yeah, it's absolutely done. Your wrist and your ankle were both finished. Wrist and my ankle yeah. were both finished. Yeah. But I just remember looking around, and it was a pretty big, pretty big crash. Yeah, it was a big crash. And just seeing maybe five <laughs> or six people dotted around, just like <laughs> looking. <laughs> Really awkward because it was so big. There was one. Cu- there was this poor couple who obviously oh, didn't really know what to, to do, and they were like, "Oh, the yeah, a couple of snuggers." <laughs> and uh, yeah, the guy was like, "Oh, you're, you're right, mate." You know, as you do, kind of like bystander effect. That's. I can't believe I haven't heard that story so. Far. Yeah, it's cool. Eh? Yeah. What, um, and then go on. He had to. He had a bath. Yeah, then I he got had in a, the canal. He had a dunk in the canal. What an idiot! Yeah. yeah. Go on. More context. Basically, when you went a little bit further down, there's a dock to like, what's it called? Docks? Locks. There's a lock, so it like goes downstairs. Yeah, which is a real 
We just have another real feat. A real feat. It's, it's, it's mad. You start talking about canals and it just keeps <laughs> on coming. Uh, but yeah, so you did that and there's a nice like clean. It's a bit that looked a little bit cleaner. And obviously like gravel and gravel, <laughs> gravel and like blood all over me. So I went, oh, I'm trying to splash this up in the canal. Not thinking that obviously there's probably nothing more dirty in the world than like dirty canal water in central London. That was funny. Um, this might be a boring segue. We'll let the editor decide. But uh, if Joe, have you ever had any been involved in any other or Lewis spectacular crashes and falls? Uh, I once crashed a moped <laughs> in Greece. That was much more dangerous. <laughs> light, <laughs> so was, a lighter, not a lighter, yeah. lighter touch. You also had to go and wash it in the sea and then he passed out. <laughs> anyway, that's another story for another yeah, time. And I've got to say, if this, if the, the grazes he got from the crash on Regent's Canal were big, yeah. then the like gashes he got yeah. from that crash in Greece were absolutely you colossal. you pictures of it? <laughs> it is in, yeah, it's horrible. I nearly took my arm off. <laughs> still here, still fighting. <laughs> I don't think any of you, uh, this story probably won't run, but have, have, um, were any of you there for the Jonah after the... Jonah's um, getting such a great air in this one. Yeah, he is. I'll just get him in when he's back. Get him on, yeah. Um, when he, what what fight was it? Was it the McGregor-Mayweather fight? Were any of you at Shaw's for that? Yeah. Did Were you there when Jonah fell over? <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh, but... so basically we, um, our friend had a barbecue on the same day, Shaw, do you want to do the honours? What are the honours? Shout him out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaw's the local Shaw. mogul we were referring to he'll be in the on. trailer. Yeah, Shaw's the local mogul. He'll be on there in, I don't know, like week three or week four. Small business owner. Local mogul Shaw was having a barbecue. and um, In Crayford. In Crayford. And later on that night, the Mayweather-McGregor fight was on. And he absolutely categorically said no to us watching it. <laughs> and then after a few drinks, we uh, stole his Sky remote and went on the box office and on the third and final attempt, behind his back, managed to guess the correct vote. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, one of the greatest moments we've ever had. <laughs> when, it, when the payment went through, it was like pandemonium. But anyway, fast forward all of that, and then it's like seven in the morning, no one slept, everyone's probably had one too many drinks. And then um, we were walking back towards Crayford Station, and there was this like uh, cone, traffic cone on the on the oh, pavement. Yeah, I think I remember it. And that. Jonah, I think Jonah, oh. I Jonah, like, <laughs> Jonah, I think floored me or pushed me or something like that. And then I just he he started running off, and then I picked up the traffic cone and just lobbed it at him. And then I'm not proud of this, by the way. But then it clipped him. It's like you know in rugby when you do a little heel flick tackle, like <laughs> clipped him just on the back of the shoe, like marginally clipped him, and then. Because he, he was running so fast and like in, given the circumstances, yeah, a bit off balance, and then he, he so he's clipped him marginally and he starts to wobble a bit, a little bit while he's running, <laughs> and then he it's like you know when in triple jump when they do all of the different <laughs> steps, so he's like done one step, then he's losing balance even more, he's hopped, and then he just tripped as he's getting to the curb and he's like falling in slow motion and he just flew up into the air. <laughs> And just collapsed on the floor, and this driver was driving past. Is there a car stop? Yeah, the, the car. It was a completely empty road. The car literally stopped next to him, slumped over on the floor, and just this young black guy just looked down at him and started crying, and, laughing, <laughs> and then drove off like a minute later. But yeah, that's what I add to the to the funny faults. Yeah, that was a big high octane crash. Um, Joe, unless you've ever hurt yourself, we've got we can move on. This is actually so boring. <laughs>
I'm I'm pretty safe when it comes to cycling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry for the boring quote, boys. It's such a boring input, guys. Yeah, you're boring. Um, um, funny fools. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I haven't got any. I'm sure I've seen some funny fools. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I can't think of right now. So praying for the next round. <laughs> um, yeah. So, in terms of us lot, obviously we've been gone for a little while. We know you've been hungry. Since then, to give you a little update on our lives, obviously, yeah, the fame has, you know, it's kind of gone to our heads. The fortune, I mean, Thames Mead's literally begging for some more action for the <laughs> Flicks boys. Uh, but apart from that, have any of you got anything kind of outstanding to update them on? I think I want to pass over to Joe. I've got some questions for him about why him and his mates have been gluing themselves to trains. <laughs> messing up Mark and Mew. <laughs> but yeah, Extinction Rebellion. What, what, what are you telling me about that? What, what do you mean, what am I telling you? Now, to be honest, right, I'm mocking it, but I, I, I've probably been a bit behind on the climate thing. I know it's a super... The climate thing? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by that? What, this planet of ours? <laughs> but, like, I'm aware of the issues, but I've never... I can't... I can't uh, I can't back myself and say that I, I can't lie and say that I've been out there campaigning or making any big personal changes. So respect to all the people who are out campaigning. And Joe, you went to the uh, protest, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, just for a bit of context, we've just entered the second week of protests by campaigners for the Extinction Rebellion, which is an organisation who are campaigning, campaigning against climate change. Yeah, they want the government. Their result is they want the government to announce a uh, like state of emergency, a climate state of emergency, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and they want the government to pledge, yeah, or p- pledge to um, zero carbon emissions by twenty twenty five, which, I mean, <laughs> it, it isn't going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, you got to yeah. you got to um, set your targets high. Mm. Yeah, I went down there yesterday as well after. Hatring up again, but yeah, I've been on one of the canals of London. <laughs> Went down to their camp at Marble Arch to see what it was about. And to be honest, I think I mean the thing is with things like this, it's very easy to be cynical. But at the end of the day, if I was them, and for example, I was on like the Breckley Mar- Marks and as you boys were and all stuff like that, and you saw like millions of people come out for that. And then this is objectively a bigger deal. You know, it's destruction of the planet. Mm. And it's kind of... Like getting massively like slagged off by the public, derided yeah, yeah, by well, the media, it must be so demoralising. It's very easy to be cynical about it because it is effectively kind of middle class retired people that have set up a camp. But you've got to give it to them, I think. The mad thing is, like, how you saying it's such a big issue and it gets it gets underplayed because mm. like, it was funny. Someone was asking like, "Oh, we were talking about it," and they said, well, "What's the protest about?" And then, like, jokingly, I said, "Oh, extinction." No, he, he said, <laughs> "What are they protesting?" And I was like, oh, extinction. And that kind of like, it got a laugh, like it was taking the yeah. mick out of it. But really, if you yeah. put it in the most simple terms, like we're, people are protesting the fact that we're literally going to, we're murdering ourselves, the whole planet. Like, yeah. That should be the front page of every and the newspaper, fact that, every news. And the fact that it's already starting, like the amount of uh, like natural disasters has so gone up because of it. And people actually, like in a very real way, like people's lives are already being ruined. Yeah, I mean, I I personally do not understand how you can't how how someone can't understand the issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. P- 
people just choose to ignore it. But I suppose it's just as with any issue, like if you don't want to, if you don't want to bother with something, then you just you know stick your fingers in your ears and you create excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I suppose I I went down last week for a day, and which site did you go to? Uh, Waterloo Bridge, yeah. and then I also went to Oxford Circus. But I was actually I was I was part of the protest on Waterloo Bridge, more of a spectator at Oxford Circus, and um, initial impressions were it was like it was it was like a, a family site campsite at Glastonbury essentially. Yeah. It mm. was it is an incredibly white middle class mm. um, crowd there. And how do you think you changed that? Because that well, is like that is like what everyone's everyone's like slagging it off by the fact that that is that is the kind of crowd that attracts it. Do you but think how, maybe? Like, why do you think that's the case? Do you think maybe that like people who are struggling day to day have immediate issues in their house? I know there's no issue more no no it makes sense important than the planet. But like when you're struggling to think how you're gonna buy your kid a coat. Like, you know, up in some northern towns in England, like, mm. austerity's got that bad that primary schools mm. have had to ban Montclair coats because you've got some kids who are rich or their parents managed to get them the money for this coat and other mums who literally, and dads or whoever carers who are having to make the decision between can I turn the heating on or can I buy, like, a decent dinner for my family? Mm. Mm. And, like, when you're facing that type of problem each day, you're not necessarily going to take five days off work to go and protest in London. So it is a it's a bit of privilege, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. What it's seen as like it's a it's a, a posi- you're in a position of luxury when first of all you can afford to go down on a weekday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Why it is it, it is essentially as white as as the um, the Brexit march. Not, not the not the anti Brexit march. As a quick uh, segue onto the Jon Snow comment, that was a few weeks back, but when Jon Snow, the Channel 4 presenter, said he'd never seen so many white people... At the Brexit, at the pro-Brexit one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? As Tell me if I'm wrong, but I actually thought that he kind of deserved a bit of criticism for that because it, the whole one of the whole narratives behind Brexit that everyone's kind of ignoring is that white working-class poor people in Britain have been sold like under a bus by austerity stuff like that and they're kind of almost like creating a bit of an underclass type thing going on and like people look at them as like horrible white brexit nationalist blah 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 but don't actually stop and talk to them and find out what's fueling their hatred type thing so like him calling them white people was him trying to show how woke he was by saying like it's a certain type of white people you know what i mean but at the pro brexit march he didn't say which was predominantly white. He didn't say, look at all these white people. So I think it was actually loaded with like white, underclass, racist, horrible people. You know what I mean? Mm. Do you know what I mean by that? I do, but he wasn't wrong, was he? He wasn't wrong. I think it can, it literally can be viewed in so many different ways and only he'll be able to tell us what the true motive, what his true motivations were. Mm. But like, I do completely agree with Carlos because like one of the, um, one of the main criticisms or not criticism, but one of the main observations from Remain voters is that people who voted Leave are the white white working class, and for that reason, like it just it is a loaded it's a loaded way of putting it on on Jon Snow's part, and I think it was I think it was incredibly risky thing to yeah. do, and it 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 hasn't helped the 
Yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help That's the division the at all. It doesn't help the division at all. But yeah, taking well. it back to Extinction Rebellion, um, the uh, I think that partly the reason why it's such a undiverse crowd, and it really is undiverse. It's got to be said. And no one would say, mad. "Look at that bunch of white people." Because no, that's the why status of society, so white people. That's what I meant. Um, but uh, that's such a good point. But. Um, is because they've tried something so ambitious. If it was just like a one-day march, you'd imagine that you could attract, like, cause if it was just a Saturday or a bank holiday, you could feasibly attract people that can't afford to not be at work or not be looking after kids over. But they've literally shut down central London for two weeks in mm. certain poor core areas, like Marble Arch, Oxford Circus, Waterley Bridge are the main parts of London. Yeah. And they've shut it down for two weeks. That is, like, you can take, you can kind of deride it so much for being like, oh, well, they can afford to be there then. But still, I'm not there, like, I yeah, and no, I'm not there. Like you've got to respect it. When you think of like a middle class person, it doesn't spring to mind like that they would be devout campaigners. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not something that you naturally like pair together. Mm. However, when I went there um, last week, you could just you were you could just see people who were like so really willing to just surrender themselves must be written on a few lot to be surrounded by someone that's been arrested for the cause wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> but i suppose that also that does kind of link to um the uh, racial minority argument as well because yeah it's not a joke it, for some people to it, it's, it's not a, a joke it's not a joke at all yeah what what kind of approach like are the police going to take to yeah. Um. About like a large groups of black or Asian people putting themselves in that position, and they probably would come down on it a lot harder. Yeah. Also, though, talking about the diversity of the protesters, this uh, rebe- extinction rebellion has been a different thing. But you do have the young people, like what's her name, the Swedish girl, Greta. Greta Thunberg. Thun- yeah. Um. She she's been like getting young people out, and in London, you I'll get the tube on a Friday and see young school kids who are out. So it's spread in between. The whole school protest thing has been incredible. Yeah. It's been incredible. It's that's really like, good. That's so unheard of. Yeah. Everyone just leaving school on a certain day to do this. But it's great. Um, I was thinking another thing that I, because I was reflecting on myself because like me and Joe were having a bit of a back and forth like about the rebellion, um, about like me taking the mick out of him, like gluing himself to a truck and stuff like that. <laughs> And like that doesn't mean. How is your hand, by the way? <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm I'm mocking the planet. You know what I mean? But well, I don't believe in climate change. But then I was reading a lot of stuff after reflecting about it, and there there's so many arguments that are like, yeah, we need to do drastic things. But when a whole system, the whole world, is created for big companies to make profits by like just spewing out all this plastic, like I'll, I'll be in situations when I think, should I use that bit of plastic? So, for example, I was at a work, like, social event and there were, like, plastic cups and I must have gone through about three of them throughout the day and I clocked myself, I was like, I'm going through so much plastic here, what am I doing? It was, like, cardboard. And I thought, actually, these have already been bought, they've already been placed in this office. If I don't take my, if I don't use it, that's, what, what, what gain is there from a little personal rebellion like that, me saying I'm not going to use those cups when... At the end of the day, it's going to end up in the same bin, in the same landfill site, yeah, probably yeah. in like it's, Sri Lanka or something. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nothing, but I suppose the impact it. it That's why you've got to respect people that are doing proper full-on stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it has it, to be big. It's the impact that what you're doing is 
um, going to have on like someone else in your office as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, so as important as you not doing it is someone noticing noticing that you're not doing it and you saying, oh, like, well, this is my reasoning, for example. It's just that's a good point. Think global at local. Yeah, that's a good what point. Too. Come back at me. But yeah, I think um, the only thing that does annoy me about this is, I, and this is something I feel often about these kind of climate things, is I think that the whole group needs a bit of a rebrand, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Because I was walking around there yesterday and... Obviously, it is a certain type of people that are really, like, really vigilant about the like climate and all of that. But uh, I just thought the whole like floppy trousers and white people with dreads and stuff like that—it's not going to get you. Yeah, and and it's not—it's not, it's not going to attract the big crowds. They need—it needs—they yeah. uh, need a, the face of a normal person. It needs to be rebranded. It needs to be. Re- it needs true. to be rebranded. You need some polished. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You just yeah, need I mean, something. But I mean, yeah. Sterling. Sorry, yeah. Sterling. Get yeah, Sterling. Yeah, Sterling. Yeah, but I mean, like, rebellion. sorry to be critical, but like we're saying this, and we're like sat here in my bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If they they need some normal people. We're saying they need normal people. Yeah, it's true. And we're but that's why we put off because it's because it's yeah. So like it's the, it's a vi- it's a vicious it's a vicious Diablo cycle. Guy. It's a vicious cycle. But I mean, it 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 kind of it scares me, but it. I feel I feel like it will inevitably get to the point where it's literally going to be so past the point of repair that like the point that people think oh Christ like this is actually having a serious impact on my life now yeah um, well, Maldives has almost disappeared isn't it parts of the world is li- are literally being ruined by it mm. day in day out the craziest thing is seeing some of the um, beaches the plastic on beaches yeah. mm. and we don't get to see it that's no. the thing well yeah, I was yeah. reading we, we're fortunate enough to go to parts of the world that like have clean it up like clean it up or like we'll have a tourist industry or we can afford to go somewhere that isn't the case but you kind of it's really shocking when you actually see like you showed me that picture of the um, pollution in a where was it again there's a so Delhi some of the, the top 20 um, the top 20 most polluted cities in the world were like I think like the like maybe more than 70% of them were in like India, Pakistan and um, another place China? in that region maybe China, maybe not but it was definitely India and Pakistan and th- this river was in um, India near Delhi mm. one of the most polluted cities in the world by far and it looks like a thick sheet of snow on this river and there's yeah, a guy I thought in there it was like Russia. yeah it looks like Siberia or something mm. and it, literally in the, in the caption it says this is foam from a local factory that's just polluted the whole river the most polluted river in the world wow and um but just in there chilling. it's just and yeah and his job what he was actually doing in there was um he ser- his job is to search for plastic and like scrap that's come over from the west so basically i'm reading this stuff about recycling and how a lot of our waste because realistically where does it go yeah. they just ship it all to like uh majority world countries like developing countries mm. And um, China has said now they don't even take any more. Yeah, and they've so banned it. So we have to do our own plastics. So it's crazy. It's just like we actually just need companies to stop producing plastic. It's actually mad. Like you buy a sandwich in Tesco and there's like, f- like those taste of different ones. Mm. They've got like three bits of plastic, all this stuff. Like yeah. literally just, it's not necessary. So. Right. Well, companies, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George Soros. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Hello, corporation. Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem with with that with the fact that the most polluted um countries are the, are the ones that are the poorest is that, like the people living in these countries they literally do not have they don't have the time and they 
they have way big. I know it's so ironic, but they have bigger fish to fry, aka like their own survival. Yeah. Before, like that is of greater importance than you know, like recycling or. But what's mad? Or the planet. Two things about that is that that kind of comes back to the point about why is it only one type of person protesting? Because yeah. people have got bigger fish to fry in this country as well, where there's so many poor people. But also, um, those countries that big industry produces a lot, but the individual person, they can't. They're too poor to waste food. Like mm. we waste so much food in in England and the West. And if if there's clothes and they've food got holes in them, mad. they they sew up their clothes and reuse them. Like people get bullied for having hand-me-downs at school but they'll have pieces of clothing that last like 30 years so their actual individual waste is really low mm. more people died in the world last year from overeating than from starvation <sighs> and mad. that's the punchline and that's the punchline <laughs> <laughs> mad did you get that stat from the same place you got the stat about <laughs> pumpkins <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> listeners of series one, you will remember that I came up with a great, pretty incredible stat about pumpkins. What was it? Oh, it's something ten like, billion. Something like there was ten billion <laughs> grown last year or something. In the UK on British soil. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, it was only about like two hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin gate was real. If fake, if fake news is something you become aware of recently, listener, then you're not going to escape it with Mr. Stubbs here. <laughs> and also, if you want to get get us on the socials, you want to follow. Uh, I mean, you will probably know about this, otherwise you wouldn't be hearing it. But it's Flix Radio on wherever you get your podcasts. That is Spotify. That's iTunes. Yeah, that's F L I C K Z. Yeah, that's very important. Don't forget the Z. That's Don't, yeah, make sure you yeah. get the Z. So far. Um, we've had absolutely tons of ratings we're currently sitting pretty on five um, Time Out and some of our other sponsors have said that they need to need to maintain a certain level of five star ratings and reviews and so far we've had we've had Eddie Mayer and we've had Terry Wogan amongst, <laughs> <laughs> amongst some of the comments so if you want to jump on board then jump on board if not then the world's going to keep on spinning right it's been real it has been real see you next week also if you like the music that you've heard then make sure you give a follow to the profile that I'm posting in the description shout outs G money shout outs G money shout outs G money alright until next time listener bless yourself thanks for listening